Welcome to the Farm Team Podcast, presented by HockeyAI.tech. I'm your host, Elliot Sheen. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge that this episode was recorded in Calgary, Alberta, on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Pekani, the Kainai, and we also acknowledge the Sutina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, the Métis Nation, and all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Thank you. In today's episode of the Farm Team Podcast, I'm honored to be joined by the Calgary Roughnecks centerman and defensive specialist and my brother-in-law, Tyler Burton. This upcoming season, Tyler will be entering his 12th professional season with his sixth stint with the Roughnecks. Tyler resides on Vancouver Island in Souk, BC with his beautiful wife, Erica, and their newest addition of their baby boy, Brixton Michael Ronald Burton. The prodigy of Ron and Janet Burton, Tyler was born and raised in London, Ontario, and grew up, like most Canadian kids, heavily involved in the sports world, competing in a variety of sports, including lacrosse, hockey, football, and golf. After deciding lacrosse was his true passion, Tyler was able to earn an academic and athletic scholarship to play for the NCAA Mercyhurst University Lakers, located in Erie, Pennsylvania. In 2012, Tyler graduated with a degree in sports management and dedicated himself to continue his lacrosse career and pursued his lifelong dream of playing the National Lacrosse League. No easy feat accomplished. Tyler was able to earn himself a roster spot on the Rochester Nighthawks via an open tryout that proved he was capable of not only playing in the, in the NLL, but he has a work ethic to have a significant impact. During his first three years in the league, Tyler played for the Rochester Nighthawks, where they went on to win the championship title in 2012 and again in 2013. Afterwards, in 2014, Tyler was traded to the Vancouver Stealth before landing in Calgary as a member of the Roughnecks in 2015. In the 2018-19 season, Tyler and the Roughnecks won the NLL Championship in an incredible season capped off by the 14-13 overtime win against the Buffalo Bandits. Tyler's ongoing career is nothing short of amazing, and he'll be the first to tell you that, as with anything in life, there will be obstacles to maneuver around and challenges to overcome. But remaining true to yourself and your teammates, both on and off the field, will serve as a foundational pillar throughout your life. I'm proud to be able to call Tyler a brother and absolutely cannot wait to get back in the rough house this upcoming fall season. With that, Ty, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I can't wait to get back to you there. It's been too too long. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think. I mean, you guys, I was trying to think, did you guys end up playing a little bit of that season prior to COVID or is it, uh, and then you guys got yeah, cut off? Yeah, we got cut off at that, uh, I think it was like that March 16th, um, kind of cut off. That weekend going up, we kind of heard some rumblings and then we see the NBA go down and then NHL and and then, yeah, and then our league. So um, obviously we play in the same arenas as, as them. So uh, once they go down, we went down. So yeah, yeah you guys... it's, been, uh, it's been a weird time. Oh, I bet. Were you guys like uh... – together on a weekend before the season was canceled or is it something that like leading up to the weekend you guys ended up having to shut her down yeah we were uh i'm trying to think it feels like too long ago but i think <laughs> we were either in uh we were either in toronto or at uh at home in calgary the weekend before um and uh i believe it was toronto because we just came off of uh, a big win in toronto and um we were feeling good and then yeah season got cut and yeah we kind of had that kind of feeling like we were gonna have another kind of 2019 where we started to get on a roll and um i think that's cool how you have those moments in sports where your team kind of just has that clicking moment and uh i felt kind of felt like that toronto game was was that kind of clicking moment for us, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah, season just got cut short and we stayed in contact with each other. Like, obviously we were doing, um, the zoom meetings on the weekends when, uh, when we were supposed to be together and just catching up with the boys and trying to, uh, keep that team atmosphere going. But, uh, ultimately like the whole season, the next season obviously didn't go on as well. So uh, it's been kind of difficult to try and stay in that team atmosphere when you're not around the, guy, around the guys as much. For sure. Yeah. So what uh, what's the outlook for this upcoming season in terms of uh, returning players? And uh, is it very similar to like what, what I guess happened with the contracts and how do they move things forward uh, for that kind of a, a wash year? 
Uh, I believe if you were in the multi-year contest, it basically just moves to the next year. Yeah. Uh, but if you were in a one-year contract like myself, um, and being an unrestricted free agent, um, yeah, we're they're opening things up for uh, the coaches to uh, reach out and get the contract settled. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just uh, waiting for it to open up, and then I'll have that those conversations and obviously um calgary is where i want to be and sure. where i want to play for so i'm hoping uh hoping to get to stay there um but uh, yeah yeah we'll get into that. it we'll get in it's pretty cool that uh you know you can live out in the west coast and be able to play in really any team and throughout north america it's just a matter of mm-hmm. trying to find a good spot so um yeah i mean once the the signing period opens up again it'll be interesting to see how the roughnecks assemble that team and hopefully you're definitely on that team again and you know, there's a lot of guys too that I think are going to be returning that are going to be hungry and, you know, looking forward to, you know, have two years off like that to get back into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, man, we've got a good group of guys. Like, yeah. uh, and I'm hoping that most of, if not all, return. And, and, uh, yeah, I think anytime you get that group of guys in on the floor together, something special is going to happen. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm hoping that we're able to keep the same guys in, in the locker room and, and uh, move forward going there. But we also got great new additions coming in too uh, through the draft and um, love to see what skill they bring and, and how they can fit into the lineup. And, uh, and just coach uh, Kermilowski mouse. He's, uh, he's unreal. So and he's by far probably the best coach I've, I've had right now. And, and um just the way he sees the game and, and the way he puts guys in, in and out. And um, he's just incredible. So I can't wait to watch what he does and, and how he, he molds the, the team through practices. And I guess it's, it's, it's crazier to see because you can see the NHL coaches are with the guys every day. Right. Um, but with, with our team, you're only on weekends. So um, he's got that a lot of time where he can, um, like fit guys in and and really mold the team to how he wants it to be and put in the systems that he wants. So uh, the way he works is incredible. And uh, it's honestly an honor to play for him and, and to just watch him do, do what he does as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, you said it's interesting having to kind of do everything remotely and then on the weekends you get your time with the guys. So, you know, as a coach, you probably, you have to have a, the system in place that you can get the guys to buy in right away. Right. And then be able to go home during the week to, you know, not lose focus on that. And it's just come back the next weekend to regroup. So, you know, definitely a shout out to him as well. And, you know, obviously after two years of not playing, uh, it'll be interesting to see a lot of the guys come back and where their lives are kind of taking them in the last little bit, obviously with uh, you and brand new father and, you know, a couple of weeks into fatherhood. How's that been for you? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, Brixton is amazing. We knock on wood. He's a, he's a great baby right now. He's, uh, not too fussy. He sleeps through the night. Um, he's eating well and he's growing like a weed. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy how fatherhood kind of changes your whole outlook on, uh, on life in general. Like, uh, that's kind of like that gear switch where you're, you're still doing the things that you are all always been doing but now it's just like I'm doing them for him um so like I've always been doing them for family and for for my wife Erica and and uh but now it's like that added doing this for him and I want to build a a good life for him and I want to teach him the right ways and and um how to live uh how to live a good life and and just yeah I just want to be there for him and he had if I could be half the dad my dad was or it is to me, then, uh, then I've been doing a good job. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's been incredible so far. Yeah, I know. That's great. And obviously just kind of let the audience know a little bit too. Like my parents have been out there with, with you guys the last couple of weeks, your parents are coming out here in a bit. Um, just having that family support yeah. is a bit, has been quite awesome. Just make this new transition and, you know, not necessarily making it easier, but they're, they do provide guidance and, and a lot of those, uh, in a lot of the sense. So, um, it's probably cool to have them out there and see a new grandchild coming to the family. Yeah, well, I can't thank uh, can't thank our families enough. Like uh, your mom was out here while we were uh, Erica 
It was a high-risk pregnancy, so she was in the hospital for about two and a half weeks. Um, so I was going back and forth to the hospital uh, after work and trying to be there as much as I could, obviously. And, and um, yeah, it was... Uh, your mom looking after the dogs and, and cooking food and doing kind of the things that I, I didn't really have time to focus on. Safe and, and healthy and make sure uh, Brixton's healthy and safe. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's incredible. And obviously I uh, can't wait to have mine here uh, for, yep. for a while and um, set up, my home desk in in the nursery right now because the little man's not using it so yeah uh yeah it's uh, you find ways to make things work and, and get through yeah i know that's that's great and obviously having a couple of, uh like with mike and then your dad ron there it's you know you can learn a lot from those guys and they're not there to try to you know oh, tell yeah. you to do something it's just more of a guidance and kind of that that pillar to lean on when you need them so um but yeah like i said you're yeah. born and raised in in london ontario uh, a little bit out east there and I've always kind of been fascinated yeah. just with, with youth sports out in, in general, out in the current Toronto area. Um, it seems like there's a lot of options for a lot of kids, but I'm obviously trying to pick, you know, hockey, lacrosse, baseball, or golf is one of the decisions you kind of have to go through and having parents uh, help you make that decision must've been uh, pretty relieving as well, but let's kind of take a step back into growing up out in London and what that was like. I love London. Obviously it's like my whole family's from there and uh about two hours from Toronto, so you're kind of part of that greater Toronto area, but not really, kind of separate. Um, and then, so you don't have to be a Leafs fan, is what you're saying? Cutting out there. Yeah, you don't have to be. I am. I love <laughs> yeah. the Leafs. For the, for the Flames, um, the childhood team being the Leafs. Um, yeah. But my, my grandpa obviously was from Detroit, uh, over the border, and uh, the tickets are usually cheaper than, than the Leafs. So. My uh, my grandpa was a, a big Red Wings fan. My dad uh, was a Phillies fan, and and then my uncle Bill, he's a, he was a <laughs> up there. Uh, but yeah, so growing up in the uh, you know growing up in uh, in London, there obviously two hours from Toronto, have to be a Leafs fan at that point. Um, you know, playing hockey and lacrosse was it a, <laughs> two seasons that could you could play in the winter, play in in the spring, and it was kind of year round between those sports. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um... It was kind of weird when growing up. I think I, I started skating when I was like two or three. Um, my dad had me playing against, um, playing up ages uh, for hockey. And and one of the coaches, one of his sons that was, was my age as well, um, told my dad about lacrosse would be great for my hand-eye and great for my uh, running and, and physical because they could see that I was kind of a – more of a physical. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah you uh, like the hard like, shit, eh? Yeah, I like to get dirty in the quarters and and do that type of stuff. So they, they uh, put me in lacrosse the next year. I think when I was five, I think when I was five, I started playing lacrosse. Four or five, and um, yeah, just kind of, I just was good at it. Yeah. I. It was hard. It was hard to explain I, when I got the ball in the stick, and I, yeah, it was hard to to get it out of my hands. So um, it was just something that I stuck with, and obviously, uh, I tried other sports too. I think at one point I was playing baseball and soccer uh, during the summers with my lacrosse, and. At some point, my dad said, "Like, yeah, enough is enough. You gotta, you gotta choose just one." Um, and yeah, lacrosse was just uh, what? Uh, like the what other age? Sports can't, <laughs> there's no aggression. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel like aggression. What? What age did uh, you guys have to make that decision? Because obviously, playing so many sports, you only have a certain amount of time in the day. Uh, your parents only like watching a certain amount of sports too, so. At what, at what point did they kind of guide you towards lacrosse? And, you know, obviously you said you, you, you felt comfortable with the, the, the stick right away and it was just kind of natural to you. Um, so it must have been kind of an easy transition into focusing on that one particular sport. Yeah, it was um, – I think I got to a point where I had to 
I think it was like around eight or nine. I'd have to talk to my dad, but eight or nine where I had to give up like soccer, lacrosse or soccer and baseball. Um, and then I was playing summer AAA hockey as well. Um, and that was a, a big focus um, for a bit. And I think I had, I went down and played a year of, <laughs> so I played competitive with the competitive lacrosse team all the way up until I think I was maybe 10 or 10 or 12. And then I took a year off and played in the house league, which was probably not the smartest decision. Uh, Cause it, I went down and they, it never came off the floor. Like they wouldn't let me off the floor. So I remember one game, like sitting in front of the, the bench, like to get me off the floor. Like I'm tired. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I quickly went back to competitive because it was just like not the same level of yep. of where I was at. Um, so uh, hats off to them for I know it's a, a big time commitment and they uh, they did a lot for me and they yeah I can't say enough about my parents for for allowing me to to play those sports. Oh yeah. It's a commitment for the parents as much as the kid. Right. And you got to make it fun for the kid as well, just so they enjoy it and it can be a lifelong thing. So um, what is the like landscape like for lacrosse? Is it school-based out there or do you guys have like, is it town based and a couple of town or a couple of teams in each town and you get traveling around that area or what was that like for you? Yeah. It's like, it's like hockey. It's a, exactly like hockey where it's uh, town-based. Um, yeah. And every town kind of has like their, their feeder system, um, like the house league and um, that kind of works up to it. So um, London is like a pretty big area, but it's not as big as um, some of the other areas. And I, you wouldn't consider it probably a lacrosse hotbed, but it, it does produce good, some good players that came out of uh came out of London and I'm sure there will be many more to come, but um, yeah, there's like the Orangevilles and St. Catharines and Peterborough's and they, they were more of the hotbed areas that in uh, uh, Whippy, they, they all produce uh, uh, probably more lacrosse players just because that may be population wise, but uh, they, they just have a good system. And I know guys like, Dane Doby is like his father played lacrosse and his father before him played lacrosse. So they have like a long lineage of, of lacrosse players where like my, my dad never touched a stick, but I, we did play hockey. So yeah. um, it kind of just transitioned there, but um, yeah, it would, it works the same way as a, as a hockey kind of system that uh, each town's got their own kind of, yeah. kind of system. So when, uh, as you're growing up, I guess I was looking at the NLL. I think they started the league in 2004. I want to say um, that would have put us kind of in that like 16 year old. We'd been 16 in the middle of high school type of situation. So, what was that like for you of you know having the NLL in their inaugural season open up, and then what did it do for you internally of just thinking, okay, there's a pro league I can go. Obviously, there's a few few levels you got to get to get there, but that's like now a, an official league that seemed like you know a really good. Uh, path to choose yeah it was um well before the nll it was the m-i-l-l so there was always some sort of okay. um professional uh lacrosse um but the nll was kind of like the yeah like obviously t- took off to what it is now there's been obviously some up and downs with um expansion and, and teams folding and stuff but um to be honest at that age uh I wasn't even really thinking about like the pro lacrosse. I was just, I just wanted to get better and and have fun. And um, I was just thinking more about school. I wanted to go to school. So um, I like, obviously back of my mind, pro was a possibility, but it wasn't like the forefront. I, uh, wanted to get an education first and and uh and then go from there yeah so a 16 year old tyler burton playing lacrosse what was the uh what was like the recruiting process like and was there other players that you were familiar with that were making that jump from 
you know, Canadian lacrosse to NCAA or, and that kind of stuff. And it kind of led you down that road and helped you uh, help pave the way for you. Yeah. Like obviously with, uh, with hockey, there's a junior system and lacrosse, there's a junior system as well. So, okay. Sweet. Um, I like me, I, I went to high school in St. Catharines. I went to a boarding high school in St. Catharines. So it was, that was kind of, uh, a back of my mind choice of why I went there because St. Catherine's junior athletics was a junior A team that I, for some reason, just always wanted to play for. And, um, I got the opportunity to play for them. And, um, I think you're playing at that junior level. Obviously, um, it, it was around that time where college coaches started coming up and watching. Um, they probably came up a little bit before cause there was, um, uh, I, I don't know how long they had been coming up, but there's a bunch of kids. Like, I just remember Zach Greer going to Duke. Um, uh, my buddy, Corey Smalls, he went to Albany. He was he's a year older than me. Um, so you kind of see these other guys going through the recruiting process. And, um, yeah, once you hit that kind of junior, uh, you start to see coaches at your games and, and, and stuff like that. And then there's field – like obviously um, field lacrosse in the States is a different game than box yeah. lacrosse, but uh, it's very similar. And I think they, they took a lot of um, skills that we had as Canadians playing the indoor box game um, that we could really succeed at a higher level in the field game. Um, so it was, it was cool to see that process. I kind of field across at high school. So that was like, we didn't, we don't have junior kind of stuff for field lacrosse. It's yeah. just indoor uh, box that we have junior for. Um, but now with the creation of all these um, uh, elite teams in like Ontario and BC, we have a bunch of these elite programs now that are just pumping kids into the, into the NCAA. So um, it's really cool to see. Uh, I think at my time, there wasn't really elite teams being created yet. Yeah. Um, I think the year that I went to uh, like the Hill Academy started opening up and I think yeah. you've probably heard of them for, through hockey as well. Cause they have a really good hockey program and uh, lacrosse program. And um, yeah, at that time I hadn't really, I hadn't really, um, join or been asked to join any of those teams or anything because I don't think a lot of them had been really created but I was lucky enough to play for like Team Ontario um, and I was lucky enough to get invited to like camps yep. that were made for you to show off to to uh, college coaches and um, actually my Mercier's coach saw me at uh, Dan Dawson and uh believe it was uh will william greer uh bill yeah. greer they had a leap lacrosse camp or something i think that i don't know how many years it lasted for but they had the leap lacrosse camp and that's where uh coach ryan Emmer here saw me um so i wasn't uh i wasn't like a highly touted uh recruit uh yeah. i think i had a few schools but uh, i wasn't uh wasn't on the lines of some of these kids now that have like multiple offers right or like multiple multiple offers and and they're highly recruited so it's uh it's cool to see the progress that's uh that's been made for sure yeah and that's what i love about doing this podcast is kind of talk about what the recruiting experience like was like you know 10 15 years ago and kind of how it's changed to this day and obviously opening up you know, travel across the borders and you come see the showcase tournaments and i was going to ask you to kind of get your opinion on those uh showcase tournaments for lacrosse in particular do you think it's worth going to those tournaments and in terms of getting exposure, but also seeing what your competition's like and how you kind of step up to that. And then obviously there's so many different positions in the cross that if you're uh, leading, the, leading the league in goals and points, like it's, you're kind of, you're bound to go one way, but there's so many other pieces of the puzzle that need to come and get scouted and recruited that um, those tournaments can kind of satisfy that. Oh yeah. I think the, those tournaments are, are unbelievable for recruiting yeah. because like you're going to see the type of kid that, uh, or type of player that you are like are you are you selfish are you just going to go out there to show all about you or are you 
or are you the guy that just wants to win? You want your team to win and compete. And I know that was, I think it's all about the mentality that you bring into those camps. And my mentality is always like, I want to win. Like yeah. it's never about me. I just want to, I want to win. I want to compete and I want to do the best I can. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get a scholarship, but in the ultimate thing, you're the coaches are looking at guys that just want to compete and that guys that want to like, guys that aren't just out there to showboat and and do that type of stuff and do get highlights right it's um i think there's i think it's understated that you, you just got to have a will to win and you got to have that um that grit and that grind and i think coaches can see those i think i think they're skilled enough to see those types of players in those tournaments and um like obviously yeah they want some of them also going to want those blue guys there or those guys that uh that are the, the setup guys, the assists, right? So uh, I think those tournaments are amazing for, for being able to um, to showcase your skills and, and, and your attitude, right? Yeah. I think uh, a big thing is your attitude that you bring into those camps. And, and coaches see that. They'll watch you. And they, they, they're not just there watching the game and then walking away. Like, they stay after and they – they evaluate kids, right? So sure. um, I think it's all about uh, your attitude going in there. And as long as you're staying positive and stuff, I think you're going to have a good shot. Yeah. And those weekend tournaments really speaks a lot too about the coachability of the kid as well, right? If you're going there a short term, you know, three, four day camp, you have, you just have to kind of buy into what that coach is telling you. And really at the end of the day, that's your, what you're there to do is just show your, what you are and then how you can adapt into that team environment. Yeah, absolutely. You got to be like, you're not going to have the same coach for the rest of your life. So how are you going to listen to this person that you've never met before coaching this tournament team, uh, explain things to you? Are you going to listen to him or are you going to tell him like to, to go get F and yeah. coaches are going to see that. Right. So exactly. he, it's, it's all about coachability um, and just being able to take in like, you got to be a sponge, uh, especially at that age, you got to be a sponge. And like the people that are coaching you, they're obviously there for a reason. They have experience. And um, um, like, I can't say it enough, like with the coaches that, uh, kids that I coach, like it's like, you gotta be a sponge. Like you gotta listen to what's being told you and you're going to keep getting better and better ability for sure. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what those showcase tournaments are for is just to kind of highlight that and see if uh, kids can adapt. So um, during that, that uh, showcase, did they kind of start talking to the parents and players about what would be required to get into a U.S. school? And potentially if you were to get an offer from the NCAA, you got to go through all the SAT prep and kind of situate yourself that way. Um, do you remember any of that experience? Um, well, I think, before the coaches even come to you, you have that kind of understanding that like, I want to go to school in the States. And then I started kind of doing the research of what I needed to have to, to be able to get into some of these schools. Um, so lucky enough that the high school I went to um, is a high, is Ridley, Ridley College, Bishop Ridley College in St. Catharines. It's a high academic school. So Yep. And they had great counselors and, and people to, to put me through. So um, they were able to get me, and I believe it was with help of my parents to SAT prep course. Um, and they put me through um, what, what to expect, where my grades needed to be. Off. So I think before I even went into, into the camps, I knew what was expected of me. And then when the coach, like, goes, oh, I like that kid. I, I want to know he brings up your – when he brings up your academics, he, he looks at him right away and goes, oh, I could – yeah, he's, he's a good academic uh, kid, right? So, um, I yeah, I think I was thinking about that, like, even before I like in grade nine or grade 10, when I went to Bishop Ridley college, it was because I wanted that prep to get to the next stage. That was always in the forefront. And, and we reached out to the correct people at my time. 
Yeah, that definitely helps when you have someone that kind of can guide you to that experience. And then when the opportunities come, you're not kind of caught flat footed. You're ready to take that opportunity on. And at the end of the day, I'm sure the coaches that are recruiting you also like to see how if you prepared yourself for this moment. So, you know, it's a a win-win for both uh, parties in that sense. Um, So what uh, what was your recruiting experience like? And obviously you said you talked to Mercyhurst and maybe a couple other schools. Yeah. Um, what kind of really sold you on that program and you know, what was that first year kind of going into it like for it? So I believe I was, so the other main schools were um, Hobart and Bellarmine. Yep. Um, so Be- I don't remember the reason. I think the reason why I didn't go to Bellarmine was, I, I can't even tell you the reason why I didn't really want to go to Bellarmine. Um, I think it may be too far from home. Um, maybe wasn't too comfortable. Um, Hobart, I, I did really want to go to Hobart because they were going to allow me to play hockey and lacrosse because they had division three hockey there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, that's what I, I really wanted to go to Hobart so I could play hockey. And, um, but the money just wasn't, uh, just wasn't good. Uh, not good. It was good. It was good what they were offering. I just, I just felt like I would be too much in the hole coming out of, <laughs> yeah, out of university. Especially if you're playing two sports and, and uh, it's like, fuck. Yeah. And I was like, and then Mercier's came in with a really, really good offer and uh, it was close to home. Um, they had a great program. Coach Ryan really, really had a great, he still continues to this day to have a great program. And uh, they was high, I believe, at the time. I don't know if they still do this, but it was like Canadian at par. Um, so when Canadian dollar was higher, I could pay in American. And then when it was lower, I could just pay in Canadian, uh, which was a pretty big benefit. So oh, yeah. I didn't come out a huge amount in debt because um, obviously I, I had like my tuition paid for, but I had to cover the rest. Um, so that, uh, that was a good bonus for me, um, coming out with, (laughs) with not a lot in debt. Yeah. It's funny how the, the impacted me directly too, for the, when the Canadian dollar is above the U S that's like when I was paying a little bit of money to go to the U S. So it was like the way it worked out was just perfect. Yeah. Synergy. So, um, you know, that's awesome. So what, uh, what was your first year like down at Mercyhurst and, you know, going from that box across kind of full time, you, you probably had a couple uh, field across um, experiences. So, you know, jumping into the field across now is a, the main sport and the main way to be played. What, what was that like for you? Well, like I, I play, we played field across. Um, I've played field across since I was like 12. Okay. Uh, we did have like a fall program in Canada. So I did, I had a lot of experience in the field game, but I, I guess like the States at that level is a little different. They have, and, and so like, maybe I just don't remember being taught it that much in my memory is probably gone from getting hit in the head too much, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not that much of a, a difference. Um, going from like our high school across to to the state I think um I think I was really prepared for um I was really prepared for the academic and sports being a job um for me coming like being from Bishop Ridley College uh being a boarding school I kind of already was on my own in a sense and then to go to uh, university, I, I felt pretty prepared. Um, obviously, as a young kid in the States, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, obviously, I um, was never a really good drinker. So that, uh, that probably plagued me uh, a little bit in, in my, it's plagued me in my, in my re- regular life as well. So um, yeah, it's, it was, it was a cool experience. And and it's not something I, I ever regret going there. I love going there and I love yeah. playing there. Um, yeah, I, it was, it was a good experience for me. I just, yeah. I got to play full time and that was what my needed. 
Um, I just focused mainly on on lacrosse. That was my lacrosse at school, and that was my goal. Yeah. What uh, What was the academic situation like going into it? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to pursue in terms of academics? or? Uh, you have an idea when you first go in there, and then when you get like you just get whirlwinded by expectations of, of what you're doing. Um, yeah. I think I went in for sports business and uh, like two classes in, I was like, I, I don't know if this is, this, if this is me. Um, like I love sports, but uh, I, I don't know. I feel like you have to have some sort of off switch sometimes yeah. to, to get out of your own head and if you're always thinking about sports, it's, it's hard for me. I needed that kind of off switch. And, um, luckily enough, there was a, a very good teaching program. And, um, so I got my, uh, bachelor in science, but I, I did it in, um, uh, the teaching program at Mercy Hurst. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. So I was, I was I looking a, at the Mercy Hurst website and it said it had you listed as sports management. So I've figured that was like, accurate to say at least but i'll have to go and redo that intro and because uh, you were like early childhood education were you not um obviously didn't obviously if i went through and got my teaching degree in pennsylvania it really wouldn't transfer over to canada so i would i would have to go to go to school in canada for another two years which uh in hindsight i probably should have done um but at the time coming back i started playing pro and and working and i just never just never did it yeah um i didn't want to go on um type thing uh but obviously hindsight's 2020 and i i would have enjoyed uh, uh teaching very much um but yeah it's <laughs> it is what it is you make life choices and, yeah, and, you, exactly. and you move on i still could have the ability to to teach if i wanted to and and i get that teaching kind of in in coaching so um yeah i'm i'm happy where i am but uh yeah it's something that you're expected to know kind of what you want to do for the rest of your life and i don't really believe that there's just one thing that you do for the rest of your life and uh i i think that your career and and you as a person you're always evolving and and it's how you uh how you evolve with what you want to do and had go chase that passion right so um yeah i i feel like i feel like i i did a good job of my academics and choosing where i wanted to be at that time but obviously life life hits you and you gotta you gotta adapt yeah it's funny because there's a kid that i played with he from Quebec went through like pre-med at Merrimack and then moved back to Canada. It didn't transfer over. And it's like, had someone told him that that was familiar with the transferring from us to Canada, he might not have done that. Right. And it might, it was just bad fit for him overall. Cause then he had to go redo all the the stuff up in Canada. So um, yeah, no, it's, it's cool that you're able to find, you know, you, you think you want to do something. And then once you're in there and you're learning it, it's, there's other opportunities that come up and it's something that you, you're exactly right. You always have to be open to learn new things and you might find things in life that, you know, you start loving even more than what you, you thought. So it's about pursuing it. Yeah. It's about pursuing it for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, let's, uh, you, you played four years at Mercyhurst. What are some of the things that stand out? Did you guys go to any tournaments and, you know, play some of those bigger schools in the U S uh, so my first year, lucky enough that uh, we had a really good team. We went to the national championship. Um, it was uh, it was a heartbreaker for sure. We lost with uh, three seconds left, but um, it's an experience that I wouldn't take back. Uh, I obviously I look back at that game and I think that there was a lot of things that I could have done better. Um, I think. I'm more critical on myself than, than anyone else. So there's a couple shots that I believe I shouldn't have took and, and things I could have done a lot better. And again, hindsight's 2020, you look back and you, but at the time it was a great experience. Uh, it was in Raven stadium in Baltimore and, um, playing in front of a, a huge crowd like that. It's, 
um that was like my first experience at like a big crowd yeah um, and that was your first year uh that was my first year yeah my freshman year. had the team been to a national championship prior to i haven't i don't know if the team had been to a national to like the semis yeah uh i think they had made the tournament before but hadn't made it because like at that time uh division two was uh final four so yep. you had you got selected uh based on your schedule to be one of the four teams and then you're in the semifinal and then the finals in in baltimore um and so honestly i think it was outdated at the time when when i played because i felt like there was a lot more teams that should be in the tournament but yeah. obviously the ncaa has moved that way now but uh, at the time, I think they were a little slow to move to it, but, um, um, but that was just the way it was. But, um, yeah, we made it to my, my memory is really bad with some of these, uh, but we made it to the nationals championship my, uh, first year. And then I don't think we got selected the next three years. Yeah. We didn't get, uh, like we had really good teams and we had great records. I think I think some of our records were like 13 and two, 13 and one, and we didn't get selected based on schedule. So um, my final year, we went 13 and one and uh, man, we had a good team. And I think we definitely should have been there, but um, it's just the way the selection process goes. And then next year's Mercy Harris team won the national championship. So it's like there's ebbs and close to everything right and those guys all put in the, the heart man do i <laughs> yeah it's either there right it's uh we had our chance and um i'm just happy for the experience yeah and like you said if you can leave the program better than you left it and people can kind of build off of that success and turn it into something um like a championship is you know you definitely play a part in that so um Something to hang your hat on. What was the uh, experience like coming out of college then too, going in and now having a couple of options at uh, the pro leagues? Because I, I saw that you'd signed. What happened was um, coming out of university, uh, I was like, to make my senior year more e- easy on me uh, in the trimester, instead of going three or my last two years to make it easier on me, instead of taking three, four, three, classes I did three 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 so I had to make up two classes uh so I stayed I stayed that summer after my final year at Mercy Harris to to complete my last two uh electives that I needed to do um obviously where I left uh I made it the easy route for me and I left some uh, like easy courses I think one of them was astronomy um we were just like sitting in the (laughs) <laughs> sitting looking up at the stars but uh Tell us so yeah you. i stayed my summer and uh that summer i should have been my first year of uh senior ball um so graduated from junior uh and it should have been my first year of senior ball uh but i was drafted by kitchener i was drafted by kitchener waterloo uh for senior and uh I figured like it was a young team and I figured they didn't really need me at that point yet. And I didn't really want to travel back and forth from the States. I just kind of wanted to take a summer off, um, which in hindsight probably wasn't the smartest thing to do because you got to keep your name relevant. Right. Yeah. And um, I, honestly, I think that people just forget your name if you're not playing. Right. So yeah. Um, I didn't play that summer. Uh, and then when the draft rolled around, didn't get drafted uh, to the NLL. So that was kind of like a, a kind of major disappointment to me, but it's not something I was going to let stop me. And uh, I had a good buddy of mine that I played junior with, Joel McCready. He uh, played with Rochester and uh, he had uh, told me about this open trial that they were having. Um, and said it would be a, a, be a good opportunity for me to go. So uh, at the time, the owner of the Rochester Nighthawks uh, was Kurt Stiers, and um, 
uh, he's based out of Six Nations in Ontario uh, on the reserve there. Yep. And so they had an open tryout at the uh, ILA, uh, the Iroquois. Uh, I just call it the ILA. I can't even remember the, the full name of it. But um, uh, yeah, it was an open tryout there. I forget how many how many guys there were there, but uh, I think it was like an hour, hour and a half tryout. Yeah. And um, I think we did, I think we did like 30 minutes of like drills and stuff and then like an hour scrimmage. And um, yeah, I just took the most of my opportunity there. And then the scrimmage, like I'm obviously a defenseman, but uh, growing up in junior and stuff, like I, I do have O experience and I can put the ball in the net when I have to. And I think during that scrimmage, I had like seven goals, which is, was good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, like immediately after the tryout, they had an offer sheet waiting for me. So, um, yeah, I signed the contract right there. And, um, obviously going back and thinking about it, it was like, should I have took my time? But like, no, I like, I jumped at the opportunity to like, I went out and proved myself and I jumped at the opportunity to, to get on a team and, and sign a contract and, and, and be in the league. So. Uh, I'm grateful to to Rochester and and Kurt and Mike Hazen and Paul Day, all the guys that uh, that were there coaching for for like allowing me to to be in that tryout and then seeing something in me and and um, willing to sign me. And I guess the reason why that they, they were they signed me like immediately after is because some of the other teams had people in in the arena watching. Yeah. And uh, they didn't want me to be approached by anyone else. So, uh, yeah, I just took the offer and ran and, and uh, yeah, played a couple of years in, in Rock. Yeah. So that must have been a really cool experience then, of, you know, going to being able to co- go to that tryout to begin with. A lot of times those open tryouts are just a little bit of a money grab for, for some organizations and no one really advances out of there. So having to go into that uh, open tryout, not, not really understand if, you know, where it's going to lead to, but, leaving everything out there to the point where they're signing you after it must've been a pretty cool experience. And did they sign anyone else or just yourself? Uh, I, I believe they signed a few guys. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, obviously you sign a contract and you still have to go in and prove yourself in camp. But um, yeah. it was just uh, basically a, an opportunity to get to a camp. And um, I just, I could, took it as a, an opportunity to get there. And then once I got to camp, I, I proved that I, I, w- I should be there. Um, but yeah, funny story about that, uh, that open tryout. My dad drove me. Um, I had worked the, a whole day and my dad didn't want me driving by myself and wanted to drive me there and, and he wanted to watch. So uh, yeah, get done. Yeah, sign the contract and get back into the car and dad, my dad's like uh so so how to go and i just looked at him and go well sign the contract and he's like what you signed the contract like yeah just signed. they offered me right away so um i don't know if maybe he was a little stunned that they offered me right away or stunned that i just jumped at the opportunity um and didn't kind of feel feel my way out uh, yeah. or feel my field any other offers if there was any um but yeah it was I think he was just excited for me and we had a, a good talk on the way home and yeah it was good good uh good opportunity that I took advantage of yeah it's always cool when things go your way right like you obviously you go there with the intention of trying to make the team and you know you get that first step of being able to sign out of that the open tryout to get to that fall camp or that main camp um, what was the experience like going into there? Obviously, it's your first professional experience now um, playing in a, in a league that is on its way up. So what was that like going into that first year of professional? Um, honestly, uh, overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, like being, being a young kid, not really knowing what to expect and, and going in there and um, – like at that time too, the league was kind of like the weekend warriors where you like, you go play your ass off and then you, you go 
party with the boys afterwards and and that's the way it kind of was and yeah um i remember going into like that first training camp and and go to dinner the night before and guys are just pounding beers and and getting messed up and you're just like well i guess this is the way it is and um i yeah i just kind of felt a little bit overwhelmed by that because you gotta have you got to have a support system to, to yeah. talk to. And um, at that time, I, I wasn't very good at uh, talking with my support system and my people or opening up. I was pretty, um, pretty closed off. Um, so it was something that I, I struggled with uh, kind of like early on in my career where I kind of bought into that mentality, that weekend warrior mentality where it was like, go play hard and then party hard afterwards. And, um, obviously with my, with my mental health and, and that type of stuff, it, it didn't help. And, uh, and re- took me a while to realize that like alcohol and being a depressant and stuff wasn't, wasn't good for me and wasn't yeah. the road that I, I should have taken. Um, obviously now got a better head on my shoulders and I was able to, to reach out and get help and get support and, and do the right things. But early on in my career, um, I guess I just, just was, was closed off and, uh, I needed to be more open and, and allow help and allow support, which, uh, at that, I just thought I could do it all and and take care of myself and, and do that type of stuff. And uh, I, love my experience and I love all that stuff, but I, I wish I had the intelligence to kind of um, realize my, my issues sooner yeah. um, and be able to correct them sooner um, instead of trying to, to um, continually try and fix them myself and yep. just getting into that cycle you're like you're then in a downward spiral right and you're in a cycle that you just can't break out of and um lucky enough that i was able to break out of it because i know a few guys that that haven't been able to break out of them and, and stuff like that so um yeah it was a. Uh, it's not something i regret i don't regret it because i learned from it yeah um but it's uh it's definitely something I look back on and, and do wish that I had kind of more intelligence to, to figure that out quicker. Yeah. But the, the cool thing is too, like, you know, going, anytime you go through a major change or a lifestyle change happens, you can now lead by example. Right. So luckily you're still playing in the league and being able to provide that uh, leadership as, as a veteran player now and kind of having to go through those ebbs and flows that you're talking about um, to where you're at now. So now I've looked at you as a, a really good, um, you know, a, a rock on some of those teams that other guys can look to and be open to go talk to about certain things. Right. And you, you've obviously went through some things. So if those people are now willing to open up to their teammates, that's a huge step that a lot of people don't have and they don't know where to look for that help other outside of that team environment. So um, I, I do look at you now as a, as a great, um, I, I'm trying to think of like a, a stone, I guess, of, you know, a, a pillar within that team of, you know, serving as anyone can come talk to you anytime there, there's a problem so and i feel like that's uh that's the person that i've always been and wanted to be i just um that time earlier in my younger years obviously i was just very um very closed off very um i guess it's like you get into that kind of anxiety about reaching out and, and um opening up and and like trusting someone with like your your thoughts and and yeah. all that type of stuff and that was something that I really really struggled with uh early on in my career and um as I've gotten older it's gotten easier um but it's still tough like I still oh, yeah. have like I'm still growing um I still have times where I am closed off where I, I should be more open um but yeah a big the, that big change was like opening up to my my teammates uh, before that 2019 season and saying like, yeah, I have, like, I had a problem with alcohol and it's not something that, um, I'm going to be having in my life anymore. So, um, that was like a huge, 
huge moment for me yep. personally. Uh, obviously, it's not like a huge moment for a ton of other people, but it, it was for me personally. And um, I was able to open up and, and trust those guys with, with that information, right? And um, yeah, it was just something I had to do in my mind um, of a, a line that I had to, to put in the sand where if, uh, if I continued to have that, that substance, that alcohol in my life, like if my life was in chaos and if yeah. I don't have that substance in my life, my life is, is beautiful. And to see how, how much better my life has progressively gotten since stopping, it's, um, it's unbelievable to look at like yeah. that season in its own and, and my own progression in my, my mental health and, and uh, me as a person that that was great. And then just to see uh, the progression of our team during that season as well, it was, uh, it was incredible. It was a good year. Yeah. Let's Katie, let's talk about that. Cause you know, obviously leading up to that year, uh, big lifestyle change and then having to open up to your teammates about, you know, you're drawing the line at this point. Again, I feel like there's guys in that room that were like probably relieved to hear that someone like yourself was going through that and you're willing to put your foot down to change your life. Right. So I can imagine other teammates kind of supported you. I'm sure you never didn't get any negative feedback. Am I correct in saying that? No. Yeah, no, no negative feedback. Um, but I like, I had good examples from other guys. Um, there's other guys on the team that have gone through uh, similar stuff. Obviously I don't want to name names or anything yep. like that. Cause it's their story to tell, but, um, yeah, they've gone through stuff like that as well. So um, to be able to talk to them and, and have conversations with them was good. And, and it kept me in a good mental state. Uh, and yeah, just like the support from the players and the coaches, it was, it was, it was great. So it, yeah, it was a, it was a big step for, for, for me mentally. I don't know. I've, I think it was good for the team to hear someone step up like that, but yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's uh, told, told a few people here and there. And then it just kind of got out that I'm not, yeah, I don't drink anymore. So yeah. Which um, like, cause they probably it served as a way to bring the team together. Cause and especially for you of being able to not have to live under that rock, basically of, you know, your, your secrets that you hold and being able to talk to people about that probably allowed yeah. you to free up and allowed a lot of, a new found passion for yourself. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like I, I didn't, it was not like I held a team meeting and said like, Hey guys, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm done drinking. It was like, I reached out to the people that, that I wanted to know personally that I was doing this to get that help and support. And then as the year went on, I think it just guys realized that he's not doing it anymore. He's, is uh, staying away from that kind of scene. And then I saw that progress in me that I was able to still go to the bar with the guys and not drink. Um, that was a huge accomplishment to me, myself, um, to be able to do that and not feel pressure, not feel anything like that, and just go hang out with the boys and, and then turn it in when I wanted to turn it in. So, yeah. um, and then being it after I won after we won the championship um I I didn't have a sip of alcohol after that either so that was another big accomplishment for me because it could have been something that started started a cycle right yep. and um not having a sip after this like I drank I think I had like apple juice out of the cup yeah. Uh, which is like some people are probably looking at me like he's a pussy, <laughs> but um, uh, no, yeah, it is what I had to do for for, for me, and um, yeah, that was a moment that I'm proud of, and I'm pretty sure my wife is pretty proud of it too. That I, she told me that she's proud of that moment, and she was a little worried at first about it, what I do, um, but in the right place. Uh, I look at that as, uh, you know, you, you go through all those things and you come back with a new sense of purpose and you have some success at the end of the year. And that's where you, you're right. There's little wins along the way that you celebrate a whole new way nowadays. But 
you know, getting to that championship, be able to hoist that trophy must have been the biggest feeling of redemption for you. Yeah, it was a big one. Um, felt like uh, felt like hard work pays off, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, yeah, it was uh, kind of like that silver lining that you're you're doing the right things. Uh, you're being a good good person, good teammate, um, and and making the right life choices. And um, yeah, it just felt like hard work and right choices pays off and and we were able to get it done but like again can't do it without the support of like your family yep. the team coaches like all of that they all play and it's all pieces of the puzzle right so um yeah it's, it's something cool to look like yeah something's gonna stay with you for a long time right so oh yeah exactly so yeah how many championships do you have then in the national cross league. And then I didn't really mention that you play. There's also competitive leagues up here in Canada for the summer months. Um, and you have a few championships, the man cup out in uh, BC there. Yeah. So, uh, so I got three, three NLL titles, uh, NLL championships. So one, uh, 2012, 2013 in Rochester. And then, uh, obviously 2019 in Calgary. Um, and then in 2011, I won the man cup with Brampton. Yep. Senior A. And I was able to, it was a, it's a great, great organization and great team. And I've had a lot of fun playing here. And, and now once you, once you move out here, it's like, it's amazing. Like the, just being in this kind of environment, to, it's incredible. So, um, uh, your sister Erica and um, yeah, it's what a ride it's been so far. Yeah, that's awesome. And how you got a new kid to yeah. pave the way for him. So yeah, and can't wait to to take him around the island and and show him the amazing beauty that's out here, man. It's like you got the ocean, you got the mountains, you got lakes, you got all the trails. Like yeah. the wildlife is unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's just it's just another way of life out here, right? And and as much as I love London, it just it wasn't it isn't this, right? So yeah. um I I love family and I wanna be around family, but I also I wanna live in a place that I've that I just see beauty and positive energy in all the time. And, yeah, and that's what you get out here. Even when it's raining, it's nice out here. Like there's, there's the, the rain's like a mist. So yeah, I I love it out here. I I yeah, it's not a place I really want to leave. <laughs> well, I you know it's a great vacation spot for me and Nick when we go out there. I love coming out there to see you guys. And I'm I'm very the same, Absolutely. very much the same in terms of the the prairie landscape. I I'm tied to the prairies. I don't know what it is, uh, but if you can find that beauty out on the island, then absolutely. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I love the prairies too. And it, it, it's a great atmosphere. It's, it's all about what you enjoy, right? And it is. This, is. this is the landscape that I enjoy and I enjoy being in. And, and Erica enjoys being in. And hopefully Brixton loves this landscape as well. And Well, Ty, I mean, is there anything else that you wanted uh, to impart on the audience? I know uh, you have a ton of experience of playing and coaching lacrosse. So I didn't know if you had anything that you wanted uh, to share in the the last little bit here? Um, no. Uh, to the young kids, I guess, is just um, – I think to the young athletes, it's just have a support system and, and use it. Like, I had a support system, and uh, and when you get closed off and you don't use it, it's when that depression and anxiety and your mental health starts to suffer, and, and then it can lead you in dark paths, right? And yeah. so um, – use that support system and use that help when it's it's available to you and when people reach out to help you take it like yep. i thought i honestly thought that i could be everything on my own but it that's not the case like you people are people are there to help and 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 i've learned that, that with helping others as well so i get to help others and and it helps me as well so yep. I think just being open to that support and um, 
just yeah just be open don't be closed off and and um like it's okay to be hard on yourself but you just don't expect perfection like we're not perfect we're gonna make mistakes you can't hold yourself to a level of perfection because it's it's really not attainable and you gotta be able to learn how to fail and um learn from your mistakes and keep growing it's like life's all about adapting and and moving forward and and i just love that one quote i've i don't know i've heard it a million times but i believe it's kevin hart saying it's like the sun's gonna come up in the morning and the moon's gonna come up at night are you just gonna sit around and and do nothing or do what you're doing and keeping that bad cycle or are you gonna you're gonna make the most of your opportunity to make the most of every day so that's a big thing for me is just um one day at a time and, and, and keep moving forward. Absolutely. And you're exactly right of, you know, if having that support system is one thing, but being able to use it and willing to use it is another thing, right? There's always people yeah. out there in your corner. So that's, I didn't really think about that. Having the support system is good, but it's accessing that and being willing to go out and access that support system. Cause at the end of the day, being able to talk about things is definitely the best medicine I think there is. Absolutely. And, and, and no fault of anyone else's. It's you, you got to make that choice to to open up and be be willing to accept that that help. And um, at at that time in my earlier career, I I wasn't willing to. Um, I thought I could do it on my own. And and looking back, it's not something that uh, I'm super proud of because I I should have I should have reached out. I should have I should have accepted that help and and. I don't know. I just hope someone listening, if they're in the same way, that uh, that they uh, they reach out or yeah. accept it. Like people are, people can see, people are observant. They can see when things are going on, and and when they offer you some help uh, or a chance to talk, like take it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that message. To, needs to resonate too, just through, throughout team sports. Cause you're exactly right. Like people can see things and you know, they can form their own opinions, but if they see things and they go ask and you give them honest answer, then they're definitely willing to help. And it's not like they're ever there to, you know, treat you negatively or talk negatively about you. It's just, everyone's willing to help. It's just a natural instinct. I think people have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, Ty, again, I appreciate, uh, you taking the time to join me on this pod. We may have to have you on before uh, the season starts back up here and get a little promo for the, the Calgary Roughnecks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, December 3rd is a, is a start date. So okay. obviously been, been getting ready every, every day for that. Just, yeah, just excited to get back playing. And uh, thanks man for having me on here. It was a, uh, it was a good experience. I'm not uh, not overly great at uh, opening up and, and talking a lot, so this is uh, this has been good for me as well. So yeah, to no, get, let's get better, I, I guess. I'm glad for that feedback. Yeah, and like I said, let's maybe plan something for uh, the launch of the the Roughneck season. Maybe have a couple of you guys on here to talk about what's in store for the for the year. Absolutely, I'll try to figure out my uh, my internet here as well. Sorry if it was uh, a little bit cutty. Yeah, I'll have to, I can go in and edit some of these things out. So, but I, overall, I think it was a, a good pod. So Ty, appreciate it. Get, uh, get back out there to fatherhood and do your part for the first few years. Cause I'm sure the next few years you'd be running Absolutely. in fields. So. Absolutely. Thanks very much for having me on this. Awesome. Take care, Ty. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye. I'm not going to